and welcome to Ancient Aliens is Bullshit, discussing episode 4 of season 15, The Real Men in Black. I'm Chrissy DeClerc Zalagi, historian and adjunct professor. Before we get into the episode, I'd like to thank you listeners. I know that in the past I've been inconsistent with getting these shows up, but since my teaching load has reduced, I have more time to bring you more Ancient Aliens debunking and other history with the Zalagi's content. Of course, since I'm teaching less, that means I need your support all the more. So if you enjoy hearing me talk about history, please go over to our Patreon page and support this work for as little as $2 a month. This episode delves into the history and origins of the Men in Black, the mysterious black-suited men who appear after UFO encounters to scare the witnesses into silence. The episode begins with a discussion of a 2018 incident at the National Solar Observatory in Sunspot, New Mexico. On the 6th of September, men in black suits came into the building, cleared it out, and closed it down for the day. Because of its location, near both White Sands and Roswell, conspiracy theories were immediately in play. The possible reasons for this event are discussed by various of the ancient alien theorist pundits, and range from the possibility that people at the observatory found an extraterrestrial signal to actual aliens visiting the site. They claim also that the employees and the public were never given a reason for the abrupt shutdown, but this is not the case. On finding out why the observatory was evacuated, one wishes it had been aliens. The FBI was investigating an employee who was distributing child pornography. The building was evacuated because the employee threatened violence against his co-workers. This incident is used to introduce the idea of the men in black, who are described as shadowy figures in black suits and hats. Nick Redfern describes them as, quote, the most feared and sinister beings in ufology. And this is reinforced by Nick Pope and Giorgio Zucalos. The voiceover tells us that the men in black have been reported for nearly 70 years and that new information has recently come to light that supports their existence. A notable inclusion to the usual group of commentators is Paul Hynek. He is identified as consultant, comma, Project Blue Book. But nothing is said about the fact that his surname is one of the most famous in ufology. Also, the manner in which he's identified is misdirection at best. Not until halfway through the episode is the viewer told that his father, Dr. J. Allen Hynek, was involved in the actual government-run Project Blue Book. And the viewer is never told that the Project Blue Book on which the younger Mr. Hynek is consulting is the History Channel's fictionalized account of his father's government work. I'll admit he probably had some information on the subject, as he was likely aware of some of his father's activities as an investigator for the real Project Blue Book. So we can give him the benefit of the doubt, as his credentials are really no worse than those of any of the other ancient alien theorists. He claims with absolute certainty that the United States government has been involved in suppression of information about alien encounters. The show then moves to the first reported incident of a visit from the Men in Black, the Maury Island incident in 1947. It is presented through discussion between ufologist Mike Barra and two documentary filmmakers, Scott Schaefer and Steve Edmiston. The viewer is introduced to the experiencer, Harold Dahl, who claimed that on 21st June 1947, he witnessed a group of six UFOs while on the local river collecting stray logs for lumber mills. One of the six appeared damaged and was breaking apart, dropping hot metal on his boat and forcing him to rush back to shore. He claimed he was visited the next day by a man who told him to stay quiet about what he'd witnessed. Dahl ignored the warning, giving the story to Raymond Palmer, soon to be the publisher of Fate magazine. Palmer hired Kenneth Arnold to investigate. Arnold and two of his army colleagues interviewed Dahl and collected materials from the supposed craft, all of which was lost when their plane caught fire midair and crashed, killing everyone on board except Arnold. 
After this, Dahl refused to discuss it, and if asked, claimed it was a hoax. Filmmakers Schaefer and Edmonston tell Barrow that they have evidence from a local man, Elmer Frombach, who has provided them with a piece of metal from the UFO. We are told that it has been tested, but what kind of testing is not defined. To my untrained eye, it looks like a piece of basalt. The three men also discuss the interest of FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover in UFOs and the Men in Black, claiming that this proves that the Men in Black couldn't be from the FBI because Hoover didn't know about them. The two filmmakers offer further evidence. None of the materials they gained through a Freedom of Information Act request have had any mention of Dahl's experience with the mysterious man, leading them to believe that he has been stricken from the record. This is making the issue more complicated than it needs to be. If he's not in the record, he probably wasn't there. And as for Director Hoover's interest, it makes sense that he would want to be informed on strange sightings of aircraft, not because they could be piloted by aliens, but because they could be piloted by Soviet spies. The trip to Washington State ends with a discussion of the state legislature's passage of a resolution acknowledging the 1947 incident and other UFO-related events in the years since. This is presented as if it were definitive proof that the government knows about UFOs and is covering them up, but it is nothing of the sort. Local, state, and federal legislatures regularly pass resolutions that are, to be blunt, meaningless. Such things are often referred to as non-controversial bills and do things like recognize National Ice Cream Appreciation Week. There's no actual government action attached to these, and so it is not nearly as important as the viewers like to believe. The next piece of evidence for the reality of the Men in Black presented is the existence of the 4602nd Air Intelligence Service Squadron, created in 1952. This group's purpose is stated in the show as to, quote, locate, recover, and deliver descended foreign space vehicles. This does not mean, as the people on the show try so hard to convince the audience, that they had a government mandate to find and collect evidence of UFOs. Foreign space vehicles means aircraft and satellites from other countries, primarily from the Soviet Union. This is when it is finally revealed to the viewer who Paul Hynek really is, and as he explains that his father was involved with the investigations involving the 4602nd. The next few minutes are given over to Hynek's discussion of his father's work, voiced over footage from the Project Blue Book drama. It is a painfully obvious plug for the show, and it's not the first time Ancient Aliens has been used to encourage viewership of other History Channel series. For example, when Curse of Oak Island began, there was an episode of Ancient Aliens about the mysteries of Oak Island. Having said that, this is the best-timed one I have ever seen. Five days before this episode of Ancient Aliens premiered, Project Blue Book aired their episode about the Men in Black. And three weeks before, the topic on both shows was the Roswell crash. I have no problem with cross-promotion. History Channel is, in the end, a business trying to make money, but they could be a little less obvious about it. The next bit of history on the Men in Black is about the experience of Albert Bender, publisher of The Space Review, a UFO journal. He began publishing the journal in 1952 as a work of his International Flying Saucer Bureau and stopped publishing it early in the next year, claiming that he had been instructed to do so by Men in Black. A decade later, he published a book, The Flying Saucers and the Three Men, in which he claims that the Men in Black materialized through his wall, leading some to believe that they are not entirely human. Bender is also credited with having coined the term Men in Black to describe those who had threatened him. His friend Gray Barker also wrote and published a book about the events. They knew too much about flying saucers. Mike Barra claims that director Hoover was very interested in both of these men's stories, which is supposed to indicate further that the Men in Black are not part of the FBI. The show then makes connections between the U.S. government, extraterrestrials, and the Men in Black by discussing sightings of Mothman and unmarked black helicopters. The Mothman was first reported around the area of Point Pleasant, West Virginia in 1966. 
Many people who saw the Mothman claimed that they had been visited by men in black, which leads Barra to claim that the entity is extraterrestrial. The earliest Mothman sightings were around an abandoned U.S. government facility, which had been an explosives factory during World War II, and this has led some to say that the Mothman lives there and is protected by government agents. A local journalist who researched the Mothman reports, Mary Heyer, also reported being intimidated by the men in black. Her experiences were written into John Keel's bestseller, The Mothman Prophecies. A cynic might see this as an indicator that the whole thing was a means to make money, and I'll just leave it at that. The viewer is then introduced to the idea that black helicopters are connected with the men in black and with UFO sightings. This is a long-standing association, one which infers the government agents move around the country to interact with UFOs and aliens via these helicopters, and of course the men in black are also brought along on these trips. The show ends with a discussion of the cultural impact of the idea of the men in black, in particular the movie series Men in Black. The viewer is told that the fictional accounts of the men in black are part of disclosure, preparing the public for the release of knowledge about this. They have applied this idea to many works of science fiction, particularly Star Trek and the X-Files, adding that the technology used in science fiction is secretly hidden science fact, and this is no exception. David Childress explains that the Neuralizer from the Men in Black movies is based on a real device used to wipe away memories of those who encountered the real Men in Black. In the end, this episode presents an interesting overview of the Men in Black phenomenon, and serves as a thinly veiled promotion for Project Blue Book. For me, the Men in Black aren't the fedora-wearing, besuited men bothering a fictional J. Allen Hynek, nor are they Will Smith or Tommy Lee Jones. My Men in Black will always be Alex Trebek and Jesse Ventura. If you like what you've heard, don't forget to subscribe and never miss an episode of Ancient Aliens is Bullshit. The RSS link is in the show notes. Just add it to your favorite podcast application. You can read the posts and see images of what I'm referencing by going to patreon.com slash historywiththezilagis. That's spelled S-Z-I-L-A-G-Y-I-S. And while you're there, if you're so inclined, please become a patron of my work. $5 a month, you will get access to my patrons-only content, which includes opinions on the back catalog of ancient aliens, as well as commentary on other elements of history in pop culture. You can follow me on Twitter at I underscore historian, and on Facebook by liking the page History with the Zalogies. And last but not least, you can find me talking Star Trek on the Trek FM podcast network, where I am one of the hosts of The Line, our show devoted to Star Trek Picard. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.